Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Big trade today, guys. Big trade. <laughs> the Celtics sent Noah Vonley to the Spurs for nothing. <laughs> oh, Lord, the NBA. So silly. Uh, it was a shams bomb, and then it was a woge bomb, and then nobody really cared all that much. It's uh, it's funny because it has no impact on anything, but at the same time, it's very clearly the Celtics opening up a roster spot. When I saw that trade come through, I just in my mind I pictured Noah Vonley like getting on a bus from Boston to San Antonio with a briefcase in his lap, briefcase of course filled with cash because there was also cash considerations attached to Vonley. And he shows up at the Spurs complex, and he's like, guys, can I hang out here? And he busts open the briefcase, and it's a bunch of money and like a couple of uh, Nintendo Switches that everybody's going to play with together. Uh, Spurs are set to likely waive Noah Vonley, so they're just going to keep the briefcase of Nintendo Switches and cash, and uh, Vonley will go somewhere else. It is, from a fantasy standpoint, completely irrelevant, other than uh, it does kind of tell us that the Celtics feel comfortable with the progress of Robert Williams, that they don't need another center on the roster. They have a couple already, but I thought that'd be kind of a silly and fun way to open a podcast that's going to be very focused on what happened last night, a monster of a Wednesday card. That was a 12-burger. Boxcars, baby. Boxcars on Wednesday night. And we're going to dive into that here in a moment. This, of course, is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am your host, Dan Vespris, at Dan Vespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, on Twitter. At Ethos Fantasy BK is Sports Ethos Fantasy Basketball News Feed on Twitter. Definitely check that out. Or they're also at just, not the word just, at Sports Ethos. I should have said just at Sports Ethos. That's the big umbrella Twitter account that kind of just retweets stuff from the other different divisions, basketball, football, baseball, hockey, DFS, etc. So definitely go check those guys out. And of course, then uh, follow me as well. Other non-NBA related news today. I don't know if you folks are keeping up with the, uh, the situation around DeMar Hamlin, the player on the Buffalo Bills who went into cardiac arrest during the ballgame back on Monday. He woke up today which I know, that's crazy. That's three days later, almost three days later from the uh, the time of the injury and apparently is doing better. We shall see how the whole thing shakes out, but certainly very good news on that front if you've been keeping tabs on uh, a player that very nearly died on a football field. So good news there. He is awake. He is alert, but he is not breathing on his own yet. The hope is that he's... That's something typically that comes back better for younger humans, and he is still, I believe, only 24 years of age. So let's uh, keep crossing our fingers and hope that more good news trickles out over the next couple days, week, whatever. Um, But I guess the story that's now circulating on the internet is the first thing he did, because he can't talk yet because he's intubated still, um, is that he wrote down on a paper, did we win? He's probably going to be pissed when they tell him they ended the ballgame. But you know what? If that's the thing that he's pissed about, that's uh, that'd be really good news. 
So anyway, let's dive into the Wednesday card, a huge one, and we'll try to focus on the key stuff. That's something that I like to try to pivot into here towards the, uh, the, the middle of the NBA season, where at the beginning of the year, we're going over every detail. But now we're at a point where 90% of the NBA is settled. So you don't need me to tell you that Buddy Heald had a good game or Buddy Heald had a bad game because he's just going to be on rosters all year. There's no real opportunity to sell high or buy low based on little blips that occur intermittently throughout the season. He's been very healthy. That's good. Actually, Buddy's number 22 by totals if you're into that sort of thing. He's more like a 50-some-odd range guy uh, by averages, but he's been on a nice little heater lately. But you guys don't care about that. Because Heald is going to be on roster. So we're not going to talk about the guys that are ultra heavily rostered. Unless there is, you know, unless Donovan Mitchell scores 71. Something like that we'll have to make mention of. But this is now really going to laser focused on strategy. Especially off the shorter cards. And then on these bigger ones, on the needle moving stuff. And I'll be honest with you guys. There wasn't any needle moving stuff in Philly, Indiana. Pretty easy game to just jump over. I mean, look at it. If you want to know when when there's a game that's just not a needle mover and we're going to jump over it, this is the type of one. Because the only thing that you guys might expect me to mention, like Aaron Neesmith, still a schedule stream level guy. Jalen Smith had a better ball game, but really has been in a ghost this year. Montrez Harrell, big fill-in game, but that's because Joel Embiid sat this one out. Good job by his team to pick him up. You guys don't care that James Harden had a pretty good ball game. That means nothing. Harden's number 10. He and Tyrese Halliburton just keep flip-flopping who's in front of the other one. You don't care. You know this stuff. Tyrese Maxey played 37 minutes. That's probably the only piece of news from this ballgame that I thought was fantasy even slightly relevant because it means that he's full bore, full tilt. He's ready to go. So let's focus on other stuff. Phoenix is a team I think we can focus on right now because they are still playing without Devin Booker. They're still playing without Cam Johnson. Campaign got hurt uh, after nine minutes in this ball game, or I don't know if it was wasn't so much an acute injury as it was that he just had some soreness. Uh, but Chris Paul finally had a better ball game, and he almost led them to a win in a game where the teams had I think like thirty points at the end of the first quarter combined. It looked like CP3 might be able to do enough on his own because he really didn't get much help in this one. But that's a good sign because things have been real ugly for everybody in Phoenix. And somehow, despite all of this grossness, Chris Paul is still number 46. I almost don't know how. It feels like it's been a complete disaster. And he's right there. He's like a half round back of his ADP. Dude was going near 40 this year. It hasn't been that big of a disaster. Now, the missed games early, that was annoying. Free throw percent slowly ticking up. He's at 80. Field goal percent at 42. That's still a long way to go. If you adjust those numbers back up to basically like last six-year averages, then suddenly he's like a top 25 per game guy again. But again, uh, sidetracked a bit. Dario Saric got the start at power forward, but he only played 19 minutes. I'm a little surprised, actually, he didn't play a little more. He had some fouls early in the ballgame, but offensively it seems like they kind of could have used a little bit of that. Uh, and then Landry Shamit, who went 4-for-12 in this one, did pick up 5 fouls, but the 36 minutes is the thing I'm looking at. This is a guy who's going to bomb away from downtown. He's going to be on the court and just sort of just barely long enough to get 3-5 to five rebounds per game and out there long enough to get 2 or 3 assists per game. And he's actually not the worst steals guy in the world. I feel like he kind of 
it's almost like he gets a bad rap on steals uh, because historically he doesn't get a ton of them, but he also has historically never really played starters minutes. So I think you could probably look for something in like the 0.7.8 range, which again, that's not good, but it's probably not going to be like Bogdan- Boyan Bogdanovich low or whatever. Um, so I still think you can stream Landry Shamit as an injury replacement for either Cam Johnson or Devin Booker. Torrey Craig moved to the bench, played 24 minutes. That's not nearly enough for him, so you can go ahead and punt on the Torrey Craig fill-in whatever. Uh, and that's the assessment, the the updated assessment on the Phoenix Suns. We did have some stuff that kind of shifted around a little bit there. Karis LeVert had a good ball game. He's filling in for Darius Garland right now. He still makes more sense on the points league side than he does for nine category leagues. So I think points league, you fire him up. Uh, category leagues, I think I most likely leave this thing alone. Kevin Love back to the bench with Evan Mobley healthy once again, so Love is no longer someone you are starting. Memphis blew out Charlotte. Not much to take away on the Memphis side other than uh, now you've got a back-to-back, so Desmond Bain will sit out one, and John Conchar will probably have a one-game mini-improvement type of deal for the Grizz as they play again tonight. JJJ 17-8 with three blocks. He continues to just be quietly very, very good. However... I do think you're going to start to see him taper off a little bit. He's still been amazing, and he's only fallen to number 14 so far, but you are going to see a little bit of that leveling off. 4.1 defensive stats is unheard of. You know, Anthony Davis, who's basically the king of this stuff, sits like around three, between three and three and a half, typically. You know, Miles Turner is going to be relatively high. Brooke Lopez is going to be relatively high. Miles is at 2.8. Brooke is at 3.2. JJ at 4.1. That's just, it's not sustainable. And then the question is, what happens to his other stuff? Do those stay steady? Do the blocks come down from 3.1 to, you know, 2.5? Because that would still put him basically right next to Brooke Lopez in overall value. Otherwise, their numbers are almost exactly the same this year, interestingly. And the difference is half a block. So still really good numbers. I just I think he probably falls back towards like maybe 25 range as opposed to, you know, top 10, top 12 where he got off to this rip roar and good start. Meanwhile, over on the Charlotte side, we got our first taste of the Hornets without Gordon Hayward, without Kelly Oubre at the same time. And not surprisingly, Jalen McDaniels had a good fill in game, 16, seven, two steals, two blocks. He's someone I think is a very safe play with both of those other small forwards out. I also mentioned it a couple days ago, and I'll mention it again. I think Dennis Smith Jr. ultimately does ramp up to a good enough chunk of minutes that he probably becomes a 9-cat startable play, and he almost got there here in 22 and change minutes. The missed free throw, the 3-for-8 shooting, yeah, that's always going to creep in, but this guy's proven himself now to be an insane steals artist. Uh, He really could average close to two steals per game if he gets up near starters minutes, which might happen while all of these guys are out. Cody Martin is another player we got a couple questions on. I I don't think that his fantasy game is robust enough to take the plunge on that one. And then a lot of Mark Williams questions. I'll just reiterate, he's probably a next-year guy because Plumlee's contract comes off the books, and then Williams, at least right now, looks to be kind of the heir apparent as the center on that team. And if you can stash him in a keeper or dynasty format, you're probably looking at something pretty good. Uh, but as far as this year goes, uh, 
I don't think it's going to happen. Orlando still dealing with all kinds of suspension stuff, so I don't really want to deep dive the Magic right now because it's all going to change in a game or two. Oklahoma City is an easier team to look at right now because a bunch of guys are hurt, and that continues to allow Jalen Williams a little bit more wiggle room, although he didn't really shoot the ball at all yesterday. He did have five steals and a block in a crazy twist. He does appear to be startable, while Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Alexi Pokushevsky are out. Knicks over the Spurs, 117-114. Not a great performance here by the Knicks, but they did squeeze the win out. Emmanuel quickly filling in for R.J. Barrett. Still a go. Uh, Quentin Grimes, he's just a rest-of-season guy. And the Mitchell Robinson foul trouble, 5,014 minutes. It did not, unfortunately, open up any room for Isaiah Hartenstein, who's completely vanished into oblivion. Julius Randle is now basically the backup center on that team. Uh, no surprises over there. No real surprises for the Spurs either. Devin Vassell sat out another one. They're just going to rest him anytime they feel like they want to. Um, moved some bodies around in the process. Josh Richardson has a be had a better ball game, but you can leave him alone. Doug McDermott had a better game. You can leave him alone. Uh, Keldon Johnson. This is four games in a row that he has not been straight terrible. Thank goodness. Maybe it keeps going. It seems like he's pulled out of the seven-week shooting funk, and now we can hopefully ride it a little bit jeremy sohan 30 minutes nothing burger a rebound four assists a steal and a block 0 for 3 shooting and this is kind of what we were worried about when i said that he wasn't really uh it wasn't really locked in as a a definite go i think i referred to him as someone we're still kind of figuring out what his fantasy game might be and the more games we see, the more it looks like he probably doesn't have nine cat fantasy game yet. Maybe that changes, but right now, this is where he's at, and I I don't think you need to roster him. Dynasty's a different bird. Keeper maybe also a different bird. You could sort of like take a shot on him depending on how many guys you can keep and at what price you keep them at. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, he's playing big minutes, but it sort of doesn't really matter all that much. And he had those couple of big ball games, but mostly he's been quiet. Giannis, such a quiet 30-21-10. He always does struggle a little bit against the Raptors. Ton of free throws, uh, but bad field goal percent. They do a decent job on, on kind of boxing him away from the rim. But he got some help. Pat Connaughton hit five three-pointers, filling in for Chris Middleton. You're not going to take that plunge. Brooke Lopez had 19 rebounds in this game. And honest to goodness, you could not pay me enough money to go back and figure out the last time Brooke Lopez had 19 rebounds. My guess is that the last time he even got close was probably in Brooklyn. One, two, three, four, five. He's had five double-digit rebounding games this year. Three of them have come in a row here lately. I think the Bucks might have said, like, Brooke, we, you're a box-out artist, but right now we need you to be a little bit more than that. Incredible season, by the way. Brooke's having an incredible year. But, like, if you look at his career numbers, he's never been a huge rebounder. In fact, this year at six and a half boards, that's the highest rebounding total he's had since 2016 with Brooklyn. And the last time he had more than this was 2015 with Brooklyn. So I can pretty much promise he hasn't seen 19 rebounds since then, and I don't even know if he did it then. Crazy. 
Anyway, you're not making any ads. You're not taking a plunge on Grayson Allen. You're not taking a plunge on Pat Connaughton. Drew, Drew Holiday sat this one out while still kind of catching his wind. But they won it anyway because the Raptors are just a mess. Just an awful half-court team this year. At least Freddie Van Fleet had a better ball game. Ananobi, Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes have been a little bit better. Siakam had a terrible one. Overall, they've been putting up a little bit better fantasy values lately. Trent in particular. But... I don't know, man. Raptors. If I had Raptors on my fantasy team right now, I'd be a little bit worried that they start to bust this thing open because that team is 16 and 22. They're not even in the play in right now. Yowza. Portland, a team of no surprises. I was hoping we'd get some data points on Gary Payton, but he sat this one out. Let's hope that's not something that lingers for him. As far as Minnesota goes, they are a team where we need some data points. Slow-mo played 30 minutes. He was a little quieter in this one. Uh, Again, you didn't really add him for scoring. I am disappointed by the only two rebounds. Otherwise, like, this is not that far off from what I was hoping for out of Kyle. I think I'd be looking for, like, eight points, five boards, four or five assists, one plus steals, somewhere between, like, half and 1.1 blocks per game on good percentages. And we got most of those things other than the rebounds and, like, maybe one more bucket or a free throw made or something. But don't panic. I know this is the line everybody's going to be like, oh, no! But remember, you weren't expecting him to score anyway. Okay? Did that sink in? Good. Uh, No Nas Reed. That was the other one where we were going to be sort of checking in, kicking the tires a little bit, seeing if he had any path to fantasy value and... If he doesn't play, we can't really kick the tires on it. Houston lost again. There's some infighting going on on that team. Jabari Smith Jr. yelling at coaches because Alperen Sengun is missing defensive assignments. I mean, they're just, what an atrocious, atrocious team. Sorry, Houston fans. I know there are some of you listening, but they're, they're, the, they're the most insufferable team to deal with in the NBA this year. Also because the fantasy values just aren't good. If they were putting up big fantasy numbers while losing, I might be like, ah, well, you know, at least it's fun. But Alperen Schenkun at 75. Kevin Porter Jr. was sitting right at the edge of the top 100 by somehow keeping that free throw percent near 77 instead of the low to mid-70s. Jabari Smith has been better after a really slow start to the year. Jalen Green is almost outside the top 200. Despite scoring 21 points a ball game but he's basically sub-league average in almost every other category. What in the ever-loving hell? Uh, Eric Gordon likely to sit this one out, so maybe we get that sort of one-game K.J. Martin thing, but that's, you know, it's more of a look-ahead portion of the podcast. Otherwise, I just you know, keep sitting back and waiting for something to change with the Rockets, but nothing ever does. New Orleans, I thought we'd get more out of Trey Murphy. I'm sure everybody did. I don't feel like I was alone in this one. Uh... No Brandon Ingram, no Zion for probably a month is the report on on Zion. So now they really would like Brandon Ingram back. In the meantime, I thought Herb Jones and Trey would be extremely easy plays. And Herb worked out five boards, a rebound, two steals, a block, made all the shots he took, which was very few, mind you, one field goal, six free throws. But that's kind of what you were hoping to get out of him. With Murphy... I don't know. I thought he might get a rebound in this ballgame. But you can't overreact to one thing. With all these guys out, you got to keep playing Trey. You got to keep playing Herb. 
And no, I'm not big into the Najee Marshall thing. I he, he seems to profile a bit more as a points league guy, doesn't really get defensive stats. Percentages are fine. Not a horrible, better free throw than field goal. But the turnover's a little higher than you'd want. He's really more of like a three to four category guy for nine cap, but that can work in a points league format if that's what you guys are playing. But category leagues, I'm not adding Najee Marshall. Even though it looks like his lines are better, It's that's kind of a line mirage. Brooklyn finally lost. They are human. They almost made it to the one seed. Uh, Brooklyn, 25 and 13. What a cluster at the top of the East right now. Celtics at 26 and 12. Uh, are separated by the from the five seed by two and a half games. In the Western Conference, it's actually starting to unbunch just a little bit at the top. Nuggets, Grizzlies, and Pels have a little cushion over the Mavs, but the Mavs have won seven games in a row, so who knows how long that cushion lasts. And then you've got this big Kings through Thunder kind of cluster mess between five and 13. Five and thirteen. Those uh, separated by four games right now. Up oh, four and a half. Excuse me. Thunder lost their last one. Kings, Clippers tied. Blazers, Suns, Warriors. One game back of of the Kings and Clippers each. Jazz game and a half back there. Wolves another half game. Lakers another half game. Thunder one game back there. There's just what a bunching. Speaking of, well, we didn't talk about this, but I guess there's nothing really. Brooklyn, Chicago. You're not adding Patrick Williams. You know, he, he he does this periodically where he puts together the nice ball game. I continue to say that I would love to add Patrick Williams, but I need one usage guy to be out. Because right now, his only big games come when he makes basically every single one of the eight shots that they allot the poor kid. Otherwise, his fantasy game is actually really good. He hits threes, he rebounds, he gets steals and blocks. His percentages are fine, but unspectacular. 46 and 93, pretty good at the free throw line, although he didn't really take any outside of last night. He took seven and made them. That was, by the way, kind of the difference in the ballgame. Weird twist. Brooklyn missed a bunch of free throws. Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton, the guys they didn't want to be at the line. Of course, KD made all nine of his. Ah, Kevin Durant, what a joy He's been this year. 37 ball games for KD. Number two by averages. Number one by totals. There just aren't that many players close. Jokic is kind of the only player close right now. Amazing. Seth Curry had 22 points on 11 shots. I don't think you can count on that every ball game. TJ Warren suffered a rib contusion. He's questionable for the next one. He's a guy we've been sort of semi-watching. I don't think it's going to change much. Maybe it gives Royce O'Neal a game or two, but like, look at this game from Royce O'Neal. You can't jump on that boat when that ball game happens. And then for Chicago, we were talking about Patrick Williams. Ayo DeSumo is in that very same boat. He has these once every so often big ball games, but it really only happens when like Zach Levine took 11 shots. That's the only reason it worked. Most of the time, DeMar is going to take close to 20. Zach's going to take close to 20. Vooch is going to get his teens. And then there just isn't anything left. But in this one, Levine basically gave up like six or seven shots for whatever reason. It was just the way that Brooklyn was guarding him. But that meant that for one night, and one night only as he does the Sunday, 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 there was enough for Desumu and Patrick Williams to actually be fantasy relevant. You just can't count on that every game, unfortunately. Guys, I don't know how they did it, but the Lakers beat the Heat. 
without LeBron James. Dennis Schroeder had 32. He was incredible. Uh, but that's not going to happen when LeBron is around. And for Schroeder, he just needs a boatload of opportunity to actually hit fantasy value. We've known this for a very long time with him. Uh, the four steals, extremely unusual as well. Uh, Russ, you knew there'd be a lot of Russ in this ballgame. Would there be more good than bad? And the answer was meh. Good in points, good in rebounds, good in assists, good in steals, bad in free throws, real bad in turnovers. It's a balancing act. He was kind of mid-pack when it came right down to it. Uh, I thought Austin Reeves might be a little bit better. I didn't take the plunge on him yesterday in uh, almost any format. Actually, zero formats. I didn't bother. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball all that well. And actually, the Heat gave him trouble last week. I think it's mostly been Caleb Martin being a pain in the butt for Austin Reeves. But he was able to get to the free throw line a few times. He was better here. And uh, Thomas Bryant, 21-9. and nine. They're just feeding him. Offensively, he is... Uh, He's been very good. The bad news for the, the Lakers in this ballgame was that Troy Brown suffered a, a quad injury, and he'll probably miss a couple of ballgames. And that sucks because he was just kind of come on a little bit. They'll probably replace him with Juan Toscano-Anderson, which JTA started, but he simply doesn't have the offensive ability of Troy Brown. And so now, honestly, I don't know what the Lakers are going to do because I really liked the fact that they went to that longer wing spot to kind of cover the fact that the uh, Pat Beverly, Dennis Schroeder, Lonnie Walker, sometimes Russ, sometimes Kendrick Nunn, these guys are just getting steamrolled by bigger players, and so they finally put a couple of longer dudes out there to go box out and play some defense, and it really seems to have jump-started L.A. Admittedly, Lakers haven't had the world's toughest schedule the last week and a half, but a couple of decent wins over the Hawks on the road, now over the Heat at home off the road trip. Whatever, this isn't the Lakers' hour. Um, Tyler Hero, first bad game in a really long time. He'd actually been a second rounder over the last month. And then you guys know where I stand with the Heat on everyone else. All the, the fringe fill-in guys trade off. Oladipo had a good one. Oladipo has a bad one. Struess has an okay one. Struess has a bad one. Caleb Martin, two bad ones. Then one okay one. And on and on and on. And that probably is why the Heat aren't that great this year. They've gotten consistency out of Bam, Jimmy, and Hero. And then everybody else, you just have no idea what they're going to give you. Even down to Kyle Lowry, who, look, you're not dropping Lowry. He's been fine. He's number 57 on the year, people. I know... Uh, that's by totals. I, I know there's been a little bit of a meh feeling around him lately as he falls into the 60s on a per-game basis, but come on! Still in the 60s, people! Everybody has bad weeks. The guys that don't have bad weeks are in the top 15. And even those dudes have bad, like, one or two game stretches. Hawks got a nice win on the road. Atlanta really needed some sort of confidence booster because they've been in free fall lately. Uh, they sit in the nine seed right now. This one was extremely upsetting for me because I need the Kings season win total over bet to cash. How many times I need to say that on the podcast. I mostly just want you guys to be rooting with me on this one. That's funny. I don't remember what the number was. I feel like it was right around 500 ball. Might've been lower than that. Might've been like 38. Do you guys remember what the Kings season win total was? 32 and a half. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I mean, if Sabonis and Fox stay healthy for, like, 
the next month and a half, that one's going to... 32 and a half. Holy crap. Okay, I feel less nervous. They need to go 33 and... What is that? 49? To get there? Did I do that math quickly, properly in my head? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think we're... I feel much... Say, I thought it was like 38. I got that in at 30... Jeez, Dan, get your head out of your butt. Um... Yeah, I mean, I put a very large wager on that over it, and then I try to, like, close my mind off to it. No real fantasy notes on this one. Keegan Murray, seven rebounds. That's a couple games in a row he's rebounded a little bit better. I don't know if it's going to stick. He and Harrison Barnes kind of fighting for the same non-Sabonis rebounds. But if it does stick, that's how he gets inside the top 100. He's not going to get there just on efficiency and three-pointers only. He needs something else working in his favor, and boards as a large wing player, that feels like the cleanest path for him. I don't, need the, I don't know that we need to act on it after two ball games, but it's something to keep an eye on. And then finally, the Warriors! Oh no! This team that's been nearly unbeatable on their home court. The Warriors are 17-2 and at home coming into this ballgame, and one of the worst records on the road in the entire NBA at 3-16. and In fact, it is the worst road record in the NBA. Uh, they still have the best home record in the NBA and still have the worst road record in the NBA, but it inched a little bit closer here with a full-on letdown performance. Kavon Looney wasn't letting down, though. He's got this foot on the gas. Still, who cares? Um, there's no, there are no stories on the Warriors' side. Dante DiVincenzo slowed down in this one. He and uh, Kyle Anderson and Jalen McDaniels are all these really re interesting injury replacement guys. I don't know what the hell's going on with Andrew Wiggins, but I did get the question on Twitter of what you should do with those types of dudes. And honestly, you just kind of size it up by what categories you need the most. Okay? Great. Um, Slow-mo gives you boards, assists, steals, and blocks, and percentages. DiVincenzo gives you a little bit typically more scoring, probably a similar assist, more three-pointers, worse percentages. Uh, Jalen McDaniels, better free throws, probably decent steals and blocks, and a few more threes. So that, like that, each one does a certain thing a little better than another, and you can sort that out. You guys are all very skilled at this. You don't need me to tell you exactly who to add and who to drop. You just, you know, size it up. They're all kind of similar, I don't know, upside, not really. McDaniel's probably the most interesting in terms of the how long is Gordon Hayward out? Can he go mega huge here? But, eh, you get it. Uh, Detroit, Killian Hayes came back at 13 assists. That's a really nice way to bop back into things. But you guys know where I stand on him. He's a low-end point guard that probably does belong on rosters, but he's not going to blow the roof off the building most games. Jalen Duran, we're seeing a little bit of the hole in his fantasy game, which is that he doesn't do much in the defensive cat departments, but it's hard to argue with a perfect 8-for-8 eight eight shooting and a double-double. Uh, I know he really wasn't good in more than three categories in this ballgame, but he was extraordinarily good in one, and that's 8-for-8. Eight eight. So stick with Duran. Uh, I think the upside's a tiny bit limited. If you can move, I still like him a lot as someone who can get you a double-double with good percentages and can usually, if he plays enough minutes in a game, he'll usually sort of just bumble into one defensive stat, but they're not going to be super high. I think he's a tradable asset, 
and we're seeing some of those fantasy limitations that probably won't change that much, you know, if you're not a shot blocker innately, it's probably not going to just come to you. In fact, he probably profiles as a center that gets more steals than blocks. He's high-flying, but he doesn't have that little instinct to go fly-swat some stuff. I don't know anybody on the Pistons actually has that instinct. Hamadou Diallo is probably the closest thing. Alec Burks is an interesting name as well. Uh, look, I'm not telling you to drop Jalen Duran. I just think if you can move him, I feel like this is a good line to move him off of. And he has kind of poppy lines because of the big rebounding games and because of the big field goal percent games that he should be movable. I'm not interested in Sadiq Bey. I don't like his fantasy game. I'm more interested in Alec Burks. It seemed like he would just be kind of a everybody's suspended. Maybe he gets a little more opportunity during those spots type of fill-in, but he's doing a little bit more. I, I th- the, One of the big fears for Burks is that, look, we're January now. We have to start looking at the trade deadline, and Boyan Bogdanovich, Alec Burks, these guys are big-time risks to get moved. And I say risks, like the Pistons want to move these guys. They need assets. This season is in the toilet. Cade is out. They're going for Wemby. Don't play these guys. Pistons have won more games than the Hornets, which is kind of amazing given the whole Cade Cunningham not playing this year thing, but whatever. You know, the weird thing about yesterday's card, and then I kind of want to wrap this thing up and, and shoot us back over to the social media side, uh, although actually we do need to do the quick preview of a short Thursday card, but the, the weird thing about yesterday's 12-gamer is that there wasn't really a super obvious pickup. Isn't that strange? You'd expect there to be something off a 12-gamer, and it almost seemed like there was more pickup ad stuff on a three-game Tuesday. You just never really know when the moment is going to strike. I didn't mean to just do like a Cialis commercial for fantasy basketball, but I think I just did. You never know when the fantasy urge is going to strike, so make sure that you've got Cialis coursing through your veins. Well, anyway, while you're all uh, jazzed up here, um, let's talk quickly about Thursday. Memphis is in Orlando. John Conchar is the sort of interesting, fringy stream play. Magic are still not with all of their players, and I've mostly just opted to ignore them during this stretch, which maybe you can call me lazy for, but I don't care. It's a pain in the butt. They are all over the map, and I want nothing to do with it. You might see Jalen Suggs, by the way, make his return, and I don't care about that either. I don't like his Category League fantasy game, so I'm not going to bother. Boston at Dallas. This should be a fun one. This should be a really good ball game. Luka's been on an unbelievable tear. Celtics are going to throw everything they can at him. Fantasy-wise, I don't know that there's a whole lot there. We've been starting Tim Hardaway Jr. against bad teams. Boston's not a bad team, but they do score a lot. They've been winning games with offense more than defense. So I might leave Tim Hardaway in there if this thing kind of gets loose and teams start jacking shots up. I'd also like to see how many minutes Robert Williams gets. This will be a good test for him because, you know, the Mavs don't really have anybody that's as big and strong as he is, but also Luka, Celtics might need someone that's moving around at the perimeter a little bit better, so that might mean a little bit more Big Al. Weird to say, I know. 
For Dallas, this will be a good test for Christian Wood, who's been on a, a vicious tear of his own, blocking a bunch of shots from, frankly, kind of bad teams. Dallas, uh, I don't want to take anything away from the Mavs' current seven-game win streak, but it hasn't been the world's most complicated stretch of games. Uh, the Ma- the wins have come over the slumping Timberwolves, but that was on a back-to-back with Minnesota, where they had lost the first one. It's very hard to lose or win both of those games on kind of the the road road back to back and then they beat the rockets the lakers the knicks that was a better one that was the overtime craziness they beat the rockets again the spurs and the rockets again so if you noticed anything about any of this the knicks kind of the only game there where they had to try i think the mavs current and this is maybe not that nice of me but it does feel like their seven game win streak right now is a little bit paper tigery and again, I don't want to take too much away from Dallas. They're still a good team. You don't get to be 22-16 and 16 without being kind of good, but you get fat against bad teams. You try to tread water against good teams, and that's kind of what they've done. They were 15-16 and 16 coming into this much easier stretch of ball games, and now they've rattled off a bunch of wins. But they've been much better at home than the road. They are at home, by the way. And they've been much better against bad teams right now. And I guess that hasn't been the case all season long, but they are getting some wins against bad teams at the moment, so this will be a good test for them. And this is the big, everybody's going to be watching game. Utah at Houston. Utah better win this ballgame. Jazz just keep losing close ones. You can't lose to the Rockets. So hopefully, and when a team is losing games, they're more inclined to take a game against a bad team more seriously, so I would assume the Jazz will get their act together. But let's keep an eye on Walker Kessler. Um... Keep an eye on Malik Beasley. Not a whole lot else there. With Sexton out, we kind of know what the Jazz are going to do. And then the Clippers in Denver. Paul George is questionable. Kawhi Leonard is not on the injury report, so that's good news. So he's back. Um, So you're basically just watching the injury report. If Paul George doesn't play, you're going to get even more of Ita Zubas. And you're going to get plenty here because he's got to deal with Nikola Jokic, and they're not going to ask Nick Batum, who, by the way, I think he's also out. They're not going to ask... Marcus Morris Sr. to deal with Jokic all game long. That would not go well for really anybody, but someone who's that severely undersized is just going to get backed in, and then Jokic is going to make probably 15 shots in a row from about the free throw line. Uh, And then with Denver, it seems like the team is largely healthy right now. So does KCP finally get that kind of wiggle room that we've seen him get when the team is healthy around him will the gravity open things up for him does bruce brown have enough left to do i'm leaning towards no but the nuggets do have a back-to-back here so on the head-to-head side they are a team that actually makes a little bit more sense especially when you consider the fact that tomorrow one of the two i would assume it's going to be tomorrow because this is sort of like the big fun one against the clippers uh you probably don't see either murray or MPJ in that ballgame, maybe you don't see both, although uh, I think we saw Porter Jr. play in the last back-to-back, so it might just be Jamal. But, you know, something to keep in mind for Denver, probably more so again for tomorrow than for today. And tomorrow, remember, we got our whole weekend review podcast coming up. I'm just excited that Kawhi Leonard appears to be ready to go. Also, other bit of good news that broke while we were recording the podcast, Daniel Gafford, who left with about a minute to go, in the Wizards' loss to the Bucks, with what appeared to be an arm injury, 
was a full participant in practice. He is not expected to miss any time. Woo! Bullet dodged. Loving me some Daniel Gafford these days. They're using him more and more. The beat writers that cover the Wizards, Ava Wallace put out an article today on how they've been so much better with Gafford in the mix. All of the signs are pointing towards Gafford being a big part of what the Wizards are doing for the next little bit. Uh, so, I, you know, he's still only 36% rostered somehow. I, I don't understand that at all, but he should be on every damn roster in nine category leagues because, look, I get it. On the season, he's 197, but since they started letting him play, he's a top 70, 70 nine-cat player. 1.7 blocks in 24 minutes per game, and that minute count is trending up. We really, like, we've almost never seen the fully realized Daniel Gafford moment. Even last year when we were like, oh, well, he doesn't have much competition at the beginning of the year, they found a way to limit him even then. But if you look at the games where Gafford got up to like 27 minutes, they're almost all unbelievably impressive. He's actually a lot like the Time Lord in fantasy per minute potential. It's not the same. Robert Williams is uh, a better foul shooter. So, I mean, and that, that matters uh, over the long haul. Robert Williams is a better rebounder. But otherwise, there's, there's that same kind of almost exponential type of growth with these guys where they don't really level off until they get to starters minutes. And for Gafford, like, look at last year. Here, let, let's just play this little game before we wrap things up. If you look at only the games from last season where he cleared 27 minutes or higher, and we can even extend it to 26 because he had a game where he played like 26 minutes and 50 seconds. If you look at those games, they are unbelievably impressive. Seven points, eight boards, eight blocks last November, 27 minutes. Next day, 14 and 10, two blocks, three assists, on six out of seven shooting. Four days later, 27 minutes, 18 and 10, a steal, three blocks on seven out of 10 shooting, and made all four of his free throws in that one. In December, seven points, 10 boards, six blocks in 27 minutes. Two weeks later, 28 minutes, 12 and nine with a block. Okay, less impressive, I guess. In late December, he actually had three out of four ball games where he cleared 30 minutes. Listen to these, 16 and 11, 11 and 9 with 6 defensive stats, 19 and 8 with 2 defensive stats, 15 and 11 with 3 defensive stats. He's a juggernaut when he gets 27 minutes or more and the Wizards look like they're trying to get him that right now. Boom. I don't want to say count the money, but maybe count the money. Okay. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Uh, diving back in here. We'll do it over on social. I am at Dan Bespris over there, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Weekend review show coming up. We're almost done with another week. Crazy, folks. All right. Have a great one. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.